Plug those headphones in. It's time for Ireland's only interactive podcast, the multi-award winning Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. You're very welcome to this latest Opinions Matter podcast with Adrian and Jeremy recorded live at our studio at the White Sands Hotel in Port Marnock in North County, Dublin. If you are in the Port Marnock area, if you're in Dublin, why not pop into the White Sands Hotel? It's uh, along the coast. It's got amazing views of uh, Dublin Bay. Well, North Dublin Bay. You can see out to Hoth, to Ireland's Eye, uh, to Lambay Island. And it's just the most breathtaking part of the country with uh, amazing beaches just down below this hotel. Pop into the Oasis Bar here at the White Sands Hotel, have a bite to eat and uh, enjoy your stay. Now, before I let you know what we want to talk about on this latest edition of Opinions Matter, if you would like to advertise your company, product or service on the Opinions Matter podcast, why not get in touch with us? Every month, We have over a quarter of a million listens to our podcast. Every week, over 30,000 people listen to us on all podcast platforms, not to mention the 2 million that engage with us on Facebook every week. And you could get your message about your company out to them. Advertising with Opinions Matter is it's ideal for smaller companies who may not be able to afford to advertise on traditional media like radio or the papers. So if you would be interested, please contact Sean in SMK Marketing by email. The email address is opinionsmattershow at smkmarketing.ie. Opinionsmattershow at smkmarketing.ie. Or you can WhatsApp us directly on 085-825-2626. 085-825-2626. So, what do we want to talk about on this latest edition of Opinions Matter? Autism and living with a child with autism and the lack of help that this country provides to parents and children living with uh, autism. Does it, though? No, I don't have a uh, child with autism, so I, I don't know. But uh, I, does early... Yes, is the answer. Is it really? Yes, so, is the answer. But so I know, I know people with uh, kids uh, uh, with autism from the age of three. No help. I know another family... When you say no help, they still haven't been diagnosed. They obviously have been diagnosed. They've been diagnosed, but then nothing after that. Nothing. No early intervention. I know of a a three-year-old child that has had no intervention and is on a waiting list as long as your arm uh, to be uh, cared for. Um, In a moment, we're going to be talking to uh, a woman who has been forced to go public because her son is so violent that she's afraid of him. And the shocking part of this woman's story is the kid is only nine. Well, nine years of age. Now, I've seen uh, children with autism um, having violent... By the way, not every child that has autism has violent outbursts. Autism, no, obviously, autism yeah. comes in so well, the, many... This child, actually, that yeah. I'm talking about has a number of, uh, of different issues, which we'll hear about in a second. Yeah. Uh, I've seen uh, children... Uh, with autism having violent outbursts and it's it's a scary thing to see I often feel sorry for the for the parents because it's isn't it generally out of frustration that uh, because especially if a, if a child with autism is non-verbal you think about an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old that's non-verbal um, and you're trying to get your, your your point across you're trying to say something and that's that's where it stems from um, and I haven't spoken to this woman yeah um we we know her story obviously and we're going to hear it when she talks to us in a second but 
if half of the stuff that she has told us on paper is is true, my God, this woman is like your your children to to be afraid of your child, and I think she actually is, and she. Isn't she about to say that she's... Oh, no, she is afraid of her child. Yes, yes. Yeah, Um, like that's... She says, I love my nine-year-old son, but I'm scared of him. We're prisoners in our own home. And this is because there is no help available to this family. The lady's name is... And Sorry, we would love to hear from you on this. If you are living in similar circumstances with uh, a child with autism or or other uh, spectrum disorders, and, and explain to us the difficulties that life presents for you. Now, Jess just commented there and she said, I find it so strange that autism is becoming so, so common. I don't believe it's any more common now. I think it's more... It's just being diagnosed better. It's diagnosed. And when you think back, I think back, when I was a kid, there was no diagnosis for, for autism or whatever. And when I think back to my class in primary school uh, or even secondary school, um, looking back on it now, you can tell, oh my God, that child obviously had uh, autism. So I don't think it's any more common now, Jess. I just think that it's 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 uh, diagnosed now. And as well, there were a lot of people coming out. Uh, in fact, one of the girls I used to work with, Stephanie Prizer, who you know very well, uh, was only diagnosed in her, in her 30s. So there's a lot of people who are only being diagnosed now. So they always had it. It's just we know about it now. Okay, well, this lady's name is uh, Audrey Dorr Gallagher. Uh, her nine-year-old son is called uh, Harrison. And Audrey, let me begin by asking you to tell me a little bit about uh, your nine-year-old Harrison and when you started to notice that he was somewhat different. Okay, so um, Harrison, as you said, is nine years old. He's our eldest child. Um, He displayed symptoms typical of uh, children with autism when he was probably from the age of about one in that there was no response to his name. There was no pointing, no clapping, no waving. Um, no mama, no dada, no words came. Um, very limited eye contact and it was inappropriate play with toys. So instead of a, doing roaming with the car on the ground, he'd turn upside down and spin the wheels, which we at the sta- at that stage, we were like, oh, this is like, he's so quirky, great. He's different to other children. This is brilliant. Um, and then as time went on, the behaviours manifested in different ways and became more concerning and more aggressive and more worrisome for everyone in the household. Um, So he has ASD, which is a developmental disability um, caused by issues within the brain. Um, It's a spectrum disorder. So it can be, you can have mild symptoms of autism spectrum disorder or quite severe. And unfortunately, Harrison is one of these that's now, um, it's quite obvious now he's quite severe. Um, so he was diagnosed when he was two years old um, and he um, received a diagnosis of ASD and ADHD at that age. Um, and just as the years have gone on, he's become more and more of a challenge and we have hit many crisis points and breaking points um, of not being able to get any help out there and people ignoring us that and, and ignoring the problem that really is. Okay, so you describe... Um Harrison as severely autistic as well as potentially uh, schizophrenic and uh, he's so unmanageable right now and and this is a nine-year-old child that um, he's so unmanageable that you are facing a crisis. Describe that uh, crisis to me. 
um, facing a crisis in that we're so worried about the future. Um, he's quite a well-developed child. His motor skills are fantastic. His sensory skills are very bad. Um, that means he's a well-able physically. Um, so he recently was in Crumlin Hospital because he had a medical issue which was a septic hip or he had a, um, an osteomyelitis, an infection in his, in his pelvis, in his hip. And um, whilst he was in there, he was increasingly frustrated and his behaviours got very, very concerning for us and nursing staff and the different medical teams that were liaising with us um, that he has, we, we had to discharge him after three weeks um, because we were at complete burnout, crisis, uh, couldn't cope anymore. We were struggling with our own mental health um, because of the level of care he was needing and the distress, the distress state he was in. And then in return, it, the effect it was having on us and our family. Um, and since he's come home, then uh, myself and my two younger children, one of which is 16 weeks old and the other one is six years old, we've had to spend a period of time living in a separate house to Harrison whilst his dad, who's my husband, has tried to uh, re-establish a routine with him and settle him back into his environment. So, uh, so, so it's, okay, so uh, describe that to me. You have, with your other two children, had to live elsewhere uh, because your nine-year-old uh, son is so volatile and uh, so potentially uh, violent that you, you worry about the safety of your younger kids and yourself. Yeah, so Harrison um, would have something called a, um, a pathological de- um, demand avoidance and, um, oh, my words are escaping me now. Um, but he has um, two conditions that mean that if you put a demand onto him, an oppositional defiance disorder is the other one. So if you try to ask him to do something, it's met with a complete opposition. Um, and now that he has learned combat skills, whilst um, off his medication, so he was on an, uh, an antipsychotic medication that he had to come off um, because he had side effects to it. Um, but whilst he was off his medication, he really learned the skill of combat. So his anger manifested into physical harm which unfortunately was um, taken out on myself and my husband and some of the medical staff within the hospital. Um, So, yeah, it's a real fear that um, if he has to come off his medication again or if we're not at the right level of medication and we're we're not there and we're still a a long way off um, being able to control his behaviours, he still has strong pathological demand avoidance and oppositional defiance disorder and that we can't put any demand on him. And the demands could be as simple as, come on, school, we're going to school, or dinner, come on, let's have something to eat. Anything that he thinks you're trying to make him to to do, he will oppose. And he now does it um, with aggression. So we need to get a handle on this before he becomes a bigger, larger, more uh, dangerous um, sized human in our house. Okay, now you, you described in a recent interview how uh, you love your son, but you're scared of him. Uh, you are prisoners in your own home. And I know some people listening right now might think, how could you be scared of a nine-year-old? A nine-year-old. What do you say yeah. to that? I know it's, um, 
it is something it sounds bizarre like it's a single digit figure of an age of a child they, most children that you recognise in society that are that age are happy-go-lucky chirpy smiley kids unfortunately Harrison is not one of those children he has a lot of anger issues um, and it's very worries, worrisome for us within the household that this is a child that's only going to get bigger and stronger and it's frightening where he could end up with this, with all the conditions that he has that he's not receiving any help for. Okay, and this is this is the point of you going public uh, with your story that uh, your son, who in a matter of uh, years will be a teenager, he'll be a big lad, uh, the threat that he brings to your home because he is not being cared for uh, in, in, in a proper way is very uh, concerning. What sort of help, if any, do you get from the state? Uh, none. We get absolutely no help from the state. Um, we are linked in, we, we have gone through the assessment and need process. There was lengthy delays, staff shortages, staff changes um, to get that process done, to get him as diagnosis initially. Then you get sent on to the early intervention team in Dublin. Um, they Basically, they offer you um, courses to be Harrison's you know, support worker yourself. So they offer you kind of courses on how to de-escalate bad behaviours, courses on how to get them over their sensory issues, on how to eat. Um, when these courses are being offered to us, I had a newborn child who is my now, my now six-year-old. Um, you're not allowed to bring children to this. You're not allowed to bring the child in question to these um, seminars or these meetings. You're not allowed to bring any other children. You need to get your children minded to be able to go to these. And and it's all just parental training. There is no there is no services being provided at the forefront of what a family needs. Um, and and, and, and listening to what you describe, uh, your family needs even uh, a little bit of respite. We need... we. Uh, urgently need respite to be able to give our other children who are like now we've got the, the, the three month old say she's not really suffering the consequences of it yet but she will um, but for our six year old he has suffered um, unbelievably throughout the, the six years in, of his in, life in, in what way? Um, he has parents that are consistently stressed and upset he can't have his friends over to the house. He um, has a brother that most people are very aware of having significant issues. So we're kind of socially isolated. Um, no one wants to be involved with us, which it just it, it comes with the package of having a child with an, um, developmental delays and autism. And um, we tend to be socially isolated. So he suffers at the at the kind of the hands of his brother he physically has been hurt and he is very sad and he's um, very frightened of his brother so he now we're I'm back in the household my husband is, we're both self-employed I'm on maternity leave he's you know for financial reasons he's had to go back to work he's in Dublin so I now have another adult with me at all times which isn't a reasonable way to live either so I'm asking people to do me favours and come and stay with me while so that I can't, so that I'm not on my own to, for protection for the other kids and myself. Um, 
And CJ, CJ, my six-year-old, he sees all this. He's at the age, he's a very grown-up six-year-old. He's seen a lot more in his life than most than children. Most, yeah. So, yeah. so obviously you fear for uh, your your younger uh, child. And obviously, if this continues, you fear for your, uh, for your baby and for you. And this is the bit, Audrey, that really uh, shocked me about uh, the story, that uh, you describe the fact that you're scared of, of, of your son. What is your fear? then um, as he goes on towards the age of 10, 11, 12 what is your fear for your household if this boy doesn't get the help that he so desperately needs? Um, I have a lot of grave concerns about what is likely to happen if he doesn't, if we as a family and he doesn't get um, some critical services um, I would be very concerned at the moment we can um, contain him because he is still, um, you know, uh, he hasn't outgrown us yet. But he's going to get to the point that he is going to be able to get out of our hold. Um, and I don't know where he will want to bring his anger beyond our household. Um, and also, I would worry that his, if he continues on this trajectory, um, as he grows, he's going to be stronger and he will cause more serious bodily harm to the people within the household of which we are all prisoners within. Um, so I worry about all of our safeties, especially the younger kids for the moment, but as time goes on, it'll be in equal measures. You sound like you're at the end of your tether. Oh, I've, I've been at the end of my tether for years. Um, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to, um, uh, you know, waste my energy and you know just feel, mope around and feel sorry for myself the only way that we're going to get reform and change and services of which we critically need is to name and shame and to call them out and to make them listen to stories and make them see our story and other people's story and hopefully more people will come out and say hey they've been let down because I know I've had hundreds of messages over the last say week since our story um, became public I've had hundreds of messages from families in the same situation who are all at the end of their tether. But unfortunately, some give up. You have to be, some reach the end and just say, I can't do it anymore. I'm just going to remain a prisoner and stay silent and keep this all a big secret. And no one wants to expose their realities. But when you're faced with a potential violence and risk, you've no option but to, to try and get help because they don't listen any, any other way. They just come up with excuses. Audrey, I, I wish you well and, and to your husband and your three children and especially uh, Harrison that he gets the help that he so desperately needs. And as I said, um, hopefully the, the, the publicity that you've gained over the last while will, uh, uh, will help. Audrey, thank you very much indeed for talking to us on the Opinions Matter podcast. Thank you, Adrian. It's Ireland's most talked about podcast. The only podcast with live callers and live debates. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. Now, Audrey's story is is shocking. When you hear 
of a family being afraid of a nine-year-old uh, child. Well, a mother and her younger children being afraid of a nine-year-old because of his, his violent outbursts, all because they're not getting any help. It really is very, very scary uh, to hear her story. And she spoke to us on this podcast because she needs people to hear. She needs the government to listen and get them the help that they so desperately need. And you know what? In the last 10 minutes, as we've been talking to her, uh, we have had dozens and dozens of parents coming out and saying, hands up, this is me also. In fact, the next caller, Sarah, is uh, going through maybe even worse than what that lady's going through. Well, let me uh, talk to uh, Sarah. Sarah, you're on Opinions Matter. How are you? Hey, lad. Hey, Sarah. Sarah, you fear that you will end up dead over your son. Yeah. Explain. I actually feel so nervous even talking about it because I don't really talk about it to people. And and indeed, uh, Audrey that we spoke to there... um, the last couple of days is the first time she has spoken publicly about this because she's so desperate. Yeah. I nearly try and hide it out of like shame because I'm like, am I failing as a mother? That like, you know, I can't control my own son. But like, my son's 13 and like, he's really big. Like, he's, I'm five foot three. He's about five foot eight and he's twice the weight I am as well. Like, I'm small. I'm a small person. So um, tell me what you have to uh, live with. What do, what do you go through? Yeah, it's just, it's kind of like what Audrey was saying with her son, like, if you ask him to do anything, like, you know, he'll straight away be confronted with, with, like, aggression and stuff like that, but with my son, like, he'll come straight for me, like, I won't even get a chance to defuse the situation, like, he'll come straight for me, straight from my head, he kind of grabs me by the hair, and then I'm locked in then, and he can do whatever he wants to me then. Um, And does he, does he, does he badly assault you? Yeah, horrifically, like... Um, and if you don't mind talking now, I know obviously yeah. some of it's difficult to talk about, but what's the worst thing? Because you, you said you said in your initial message to us that you fear you'll end up dead. And, you know, some people say, oh, that's yeah. that's an exaggeration. She's exaggerated. Yeah. That won't actually happen. But you genuinely, like, how bad have the assaults been? Yeah, like, I think last week actually was probably one of the worst ones. See, he goes for my head, but he also will punch me repeatedly in the head. So, and like a 13 year old boy with that anger inside and the strength that he has, like it's superhuman strength that he has, like one like wrong dig and that's me gone. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like last week I was, had severe bruising all over my back because he had me kind of really face down on the ground, holding my hair and just punching me in the back. But what's, like, what's causing, what's causing these, out, these outbursts? Uh, is like, there- he has like so many diagnoses. Like obviously he has autism. He's non-verbal, which is a huge part of it. Like he has no communication. Like we try through visuals and texts and things like that. But he's gotten to the stage now where he just cannot cope with not being able to communicate. But he also has like ADHD and he has a developmental delay. Um, he's been on all sorts of medication and nothing seems to work for him. And sorry, and when, say for instance, because I'm just getting a mental picture here now of this, yeah. and a 13 year old is a, is a man. He's, I, I well oh, believe. like really. You know, physically, yeah. Physically, no, I mean yeah. physically, yeah. And I have. Most th- people think he's around 16 because he's so old looking and okay. so big. So I have this image of in your house and you're down on the ground and he's yeah. repeatedly punching you to the head and you're obviously screaming out, telling him to, to stop, but he obviously doesn't understand. No. He does, and he, no. Well, how, how does that stop then? How are you not in hospital now? To be honest with you, I don't know. I feel like my body is made of stone or something because I don't know how he hasn't left me in hospital yet. Like he's, he, he was in hospital himself. He got himself into hospital there. 
back in April, like he put his fist through a window. God. Um, but, uh, but listening to you, um, Sarah, it's only a matter of time before you end up in hospital. Yeah, and that's it. Like, and I, I feel like I've been trying to, like, you know, be a, and be like, it's okay, it's okay. But like, I've had my mom crying at me. Like, who never cries, by the way, and she's been crying because she's so scared for me. She's like, you're my child, you know, and I'm watching you being like bed up in your own home. You live by yourself. Like, you don't have anyone to protect you. Like, and I'm afraid to have anyone in to help me because I don't want them getting hurt. Because I know how sore even one punch often can be. You know. So let me let me find out then. We we heard from Audrey there a while ago how uh, the reason she has uh, gone public with her story and the story of her nine year old is because they get absolutely zero help. What help, yeah. if any, have you got either from from the state, from the HSE, or from family? So his disability team, like, don't get me wrong, they are trying. Like, now, we only moved to this area two years ago, so since then we got we got in with this team. Before that. Craig was diagnosed in 2013, like, and he had no services for the guts of 10 years. And that is part of the problem? Oh, 100%. Like, it was all about early intervention. I never got it. So he was left for, like, me to deal with all those years, and he was, it was hard, but he was never aggressive. But once puberty hit, that just changed him completely. And uh, do you live alone with him? Have you other uh, children? It's just you and him? Yeah. We we spoke to... uh, and just talking to you, Sarah, bringing it all back. About two years ago, we spoke to a woman who was in the a mother who was in a similar situation with her daughter, and again, very similar situation. She had to remove all the sharp knives. From, oh yeah, from I have the, no glass in my house now. Everything, all my windows, the television, everything has perspex on them. Oh my god! I have no glass. I use plastic like cups. And do you do you, do you have to lock the door at night, the bedroom door at night, if you're going to sleep or? No, no, no. I like it's only when he can get really aggressive and he's really, really hurt me. And sometimes he'll run upstairs in the midst of all that. All of a sudden, he could run upstairs or something like that. And if I get him into his room, I can lock the door and I'll sit outside his bedroom door, like trying to gather myself and calm down. And I talk to him through the door, being like, It's okay, it's okay. Like, I'm here, you're okay. Like, are are you able to bring him? Are you able to bring him to to Dunn's or Tesco to do shopping? No, no, no. really? Can't do anything. All summer, I got my food online. I ordered online to the house. The one thing you said at the very start of this conversation, Sarah, is you don't speak about this. Uh, you uh, you almost hide yourself away. Um, that is so. You, you your existence is you and your son, who is violent towards you, and you're you're afraid to even talk to people about it. Yeah, like I'd speak to like my best friend, and I'd speak to my mom about it. But then as well, I'll only tell them some things because. I feel like it's happening so often. It's like, they don't want to listen about this. They don't want to hear about this, you know? So it's just, and oh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> and how are you, how are you going to deal with this going forward? And I mean, like I said to uh, Audrey a couple of minutes ago, she sounded like she's at the end of your tether. Uh, and she said, I have been for years. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's you as well. 100%. But see, the problem is, when you're a mother, especially a single mother, and you have a special needs child, you don't get to fall apart. That's your second. You never come forward. So you, you're, it doesn't matter how you feel, ever. It's always about the child. You can't just like curl up in a ball and cry. You need to go and make their dinner 10 minutes later. But you feel like it. Them. Oh, yeah, of course. I want to crawl up into a ball and stay there for a week, but I can't, you know. I have so what, what's the future then, Sarah? He's 13. He's built like a 16-year-old. Yeah. Um, you know, in a couple of years, he'll be 16, built like a 20-year-old. So what is the, the future? Are you genuinely 
scared that one of these violent outbursts from your son could kill you. Yeah, 100%. And I did have a conversation with his social worker um, from his disability team last week and he was actually pushing like residential and I was like I'm not doing that like he's my child he's still only 13 like he's not 18 like you know he's still my responsibility all that kind of thing but he's like but Sarah your safety like you're no use to Craig if you're dead and that is a fact you know and that is a fact oh. and and I, I have to say Listening to the way you've described what you live with um, and uh, the life that you have and uh, the way that you, it's literally you and him and you have to deal with all of that violence to the point that your own mother is scared for your, uh, your safety. That has uh, everybody listening to us right now scared for your safety. And it's horrible and it's so sad because like I literally, like he's my entire life, like everything I do, like I sleep, eat, sleep, breathe him. And for him to do that to me, it's awful sometimes. So I feel like he hates me, you know, but then five minutes. Which he doesn't, by the way, that's just. Yeah, it's just hard. Like as a mother, you want your child to love you and, you know, be kind to you and not hit you basically. Like, so it's just really hard. Like, Is this a daily thing, by the way, that you're getting assaulted by him? It can be a daily thing. Sometimes you could have just hit out a little bit. Um, but it'd be every couple of days where it will get a lot worse. And then some days then it could be really, really bad. Like my house has been smashed up a thousand times. Like I have holes in every wall, in every window. Like his whole bedroom was taken apart. We took every bit of furniture out of his room. And um, we got a specialised bed um, through his OT so we can't break it. Because um, he was breaking his bed and then he like put things through the window. Oh, no, but as, as, Adrian, as Adrian says, you know, we're, we're listening to your story here. We're, we don't know you from Adam. Um, we both have a lump in our throat hearing your, hearing your story because... I have a lump in my throat talking to you. Well, <laughs> well, we're all in the same boat then because we are genuinely upset for what you're going through, but we're also very concerned. And, you know, I'd hate for you to ring us uh, next week to say you're, you're on a hospital bed. What happens... He's already, obviously, he's 13 going on 16. But what is going to happen when he is a grown man, when he... Like when he when he's when he's in his twenties, and I know you're saying he can do you serious damage even at his age, but add another ten years onto that. Um, you know, you'll be getting older; he's getting stronger. Um, like you, you can't live that life in fear. Yeah, I know, and that's why I hate thinking about his future and my future because I don't want to have to live without him. Like you know, with me twenty four seven. Like that, the thought of that kills me already to even think about him being a residential at any stage. But, like, you but know, do you recognise, and in fact, I'm just looking at some of the messages uh, coming in, that unfortunately that's where this may have to end? Oh, and I think I've only started to let that reality sink in slightly. But since I've even, he even mentioned the word residential, like, I've been like wracked with guilt. I feel sick. Like, I feel a complete failure. Like I. But as like you I'm already said, wrong. you're of absolutely no value to him. If yeah. uh, you end up being seriously injured or worse at his hand. Yeah. And I know. ultimately, he would be punished for that as well. And that's it. Like, and he doesn't deserve that. Like, no, that's the point. You, you need to put, just, you need to put yourself really first. Situation. No, but you need to put yourself first as well. You've done. You've done what sounds like a great job. You're a super mom. You, you know, when people say super mom, you know, they throw that word around. You genuinely are a super mom. 
um, and you're you're certainly not a failure. It's no. not your fault at all um, that your child. When you see your child struggle so much and they're so unhappy, you can't help but blame yourself. Like every parent would be would be the same, you know. I know, but there's no possible way you are you are to blame. But you need she needs to put herself first. Absolutely. Like if you had a holiday even in the last five years. I went away a year ago with my mom for a couple of days um, to Lanzarote. Um, but before that, it was a long time. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, look, I, I really appreciate you firstly talking about this because you said at the very start you don't talk about this to anybody. And that in itself, yeah, no, um, that yeah. in itself, um, I find very uh, sad for you. Um, and I, I, I get, I, I even understand why you feel that you can't talk to people um, because you know people judge your child for, for the yeah, behaviour. And I yeah, get like that, I get that. Yeah, he's in the wrong kind of thing, but it's not that simple, it's not that black and white, yeah. you know? Well, I have to say, I admire you for uh, for talking to us, I really appreciate, and I, it, all you have to do is look back at our uh, Facebook page to see the amount of support that is coming in for you, uh, Sarah. And Sarah, you know what, you have our WhatsApp number, um, yeah. that's open 24 hours, if you ever want to talk, now obviously myself and Adrian aren't qualified to, you know, we're, we're just the, we're just the ringmasters here, we're just like putting the call, <laughs> no, but we are, we don't, we don't know anything about having to live with autistic children um, but uh, you have yeah, we are making we are putting the awareness out there for other absolutely people, and that's, that's exactly what we want yeah. to try and do and you today. have our whatsapp yeah. number you can whatsapp us at any time okay yeah Sarah stay, stay safe and thank you for talking to us great thanks so much thanks very much now uh, you know it's just before we go to the next call yeah. very rare you don't, don't take offences but it's very rare you show emotion you're not a very emotional person um, but in the last no that was that was difficult uh, just was listening to uh, somebody having and I mean uh, to go back to Audrey the reason Audrey is speaking out is her 9 year old will be that 13 year old in a couple of years and will be she's scared shitless that he'll knock lumps out of her as uh, Sarah is already experiencing Debbie you're on Opinions Matter hi Debbie Hey, good afternoon. That's a very sad story, that poor girl, Sarah. It really is. She has no hands to reach out to. That's yeah. absolutely so sad. And I hope that she's listening that she could go on to a page called DC Warriors. That'll be able to help her and give her knowledgeable advice and some correct information if she's listening. Okay, so the Facebook page is called DCA Warriors. Tell me a bit about it. It's a private page, confidential. There's probably 20,000 on it at the minute. And I'm just hoping that lady will reach out that there is, there is advice on that page. There is people that can help. And the reason I'm here is to say to people, there is a direction. You just have to find the road to take and nobody will tell you the road to take. And that's a sad thing, this disability part of autism children. And there is medication. There is stuff. But you've got, you've got, it sounds terrible and that woman's right. No matter what belt you get, you've got to get back up again and keep fighting and keep fighting. Even when the doors are closing on you, you've got to keep fighting. If you don't, that child at 14 should be able to go on his meds. He should be able to go on his medication. And that's the Lord of the violence in the house. The quick answer for a social worker is that's called residential care. The second answer is there isn't any residential care. It's all, there isn't any staffers. Do you know what I mean? And uh, again, you, you heard from Sarah how she is literally torn apart over even the thought of her child being placed I, I, into I, residential I, I, care. I can absolutely 100% understand that woman. I've been there. I've done that. And I'm back on the other side and I'm back at it again. I have six autism children from 24 down to five. And each of them are different stages of violence. But I have to say, and I don't care what anybody says, there is no excuse for violence. You've got to nip it, nip it, nip it. But you can only nip it if you have the tools to do it. If you don't give someone the tools to do it, they can't stop it. Yeah, no, it is very difficult for somebody like uh, Sarah that we spoke to uh, when she is parenting alone. That adds to the difficulty here. 
I parent alone for a very long time. I was divorced. I had four children. I was divorced. My four first children had autism. When I was divorced, and I'm separated for many years. And I know exactly no sleep. I have a nine-year-old who's in violent. Myself, I have cameras in the room. I buzzed when he moved out of the room. I, you know, people don't want to describe how they live in the disability world because if they do, every people probably even listen to me and go, what is she talking about? Because you can't. You can only talk to another disability parent that understands the situation. Because if I said to you, Agent, my child is shitting all over the wall, you'd die, you think that's horrifying. And you would. But that's what the children do. They have sensory issues. And we all sit down, we have to cry and clean it up and wipe it off. And three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock. And that's what you have to do. And it's as hard as it is. But the main thing is early intervention. You've got to and, keep and, 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 services. And, and that is what is sadly lacking in this country, uh, that early well, intervention. See, that's what you, yeah, but they don't tell you that. And unless you ask the question, where I am situated, I've asked the question. My son's due to see the CNT. This is the new service now for the education. I phoned them for the past year. They don't have a psychologist there. So what do you do? So why am I waiting to see a psychologist for years and no one there? But you haven't got a place. So what, so what do you do? No, you have to try and go private. But in order to get your child on medication, psychologist, a psychologist can't give your child medication. You have to be a psychiatric doctor. Do you understand me? So you have to go rooting and paying and pay for that. And now because the system's so bad, even paying for that, you're on a list. I'm on a list for two years for one child. I'm on a list for three years for a child. The HSC will give you nothing. They have only nothing have I got for my six children. It, it is awful to hear of parents going no, through. I mean, I can tell you many stories and I'm in many contacts with a lot of parents and I'm advocate for autism because I have six, so it'd be unusual to have it. But I, I, listen to that woman just breaks my heart because somebody, you know, people need to reach out to hand the friendship and not be so judgmental. Nobody knows what goes behind closed doors. And the one thing about autism parents is we just put a face on, smack the fire, smile on and think everything's rosy. It isn't rosy. It isn't rosy. It doesn't end. As that woman said, she's tonight to dinner. The tears are rolling down your eyes. And look, when they start off, they will bite. They bite bad. They but kick you, bitch you. They pull your hair out. I've had it all. You have to remember, they're not wired the same way you were wired. So this thing people saying, oh, don't accept this, don't. They will have stages. And you have to try at each stage with help to say, right, where am I at? How do I proceed to the next stage? Because don't, it doesn't go away. Call a stage and I'm finished down on to the next one. But you need the tools and you need the help. And if you haven't got the help, you have to go private. And a social worker any day will all say, yeah, do that, do that. Anything to take off the pressure off the HSC system. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry, let me ask you again, um, uh, Debbie, yeah. the name of that Facebook page. It's called DC, DCA Warriors. DCA Warriors is the name yeah. of uh, the Facebook page, and we, we can see it here now. And uh, that's a private group, but it, it is for parents like Audrey, like Sarah, and any parent. Anybody that has a disability child that is struggling in any way, these ladies, and they have a lot of people on it, are professionals as well. They will hide their own professions, but they will come out with advice for you and the road to take. There's solicitors there that are pro bono, that won't charge you anything. Because, believe it or not, do you, do you see the way we're all going around a circle and talking about this? There's an actual form you get for the HSC. You put it into the HSC. They come back with a letter three months to the day, Adrian, and say, sorry, we can't give you, under the Disability Act, we can't give you that, right? So we know they've broken the law. Believe it or not, this is advertised. But if you go into Dublin court, you'll see it. And the judge goes, ah, here we go again. And I have to go to court, like myself, I'm doing it now, on my six child. Not because I can't pay, because I can't get a private psychologist, a private 
Jackie got the first. And that's because how, that's how, and that's how uh, desperate people are. Um, Debbie, thank you very much indeed uh, for your story. And once again, that Facebook that page. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, and once again, that Facebook page, which isn't the answer to everything, but could offer support, is DCA Warriors on Facebook. Sarah, who's on uh, a while ago, Sarah, Neil has a message for you. Lads, it seems to me by listening to this all right, um, he's, he is going to kill her. He is going to kill her. So it's, it's, going, it's more than likely going to happen. So unless she does something now, throw him out, do something, I don't know, he has to go or something seriously has to be done with him to stop what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Some Someone has to come up with a solution. We can't be pondering around this. He has to stop that. I don't care what's wrong with him. He can't be doing that to his mother. Something has to be done because he is going to kill her and he's going to be in prison and that's a family wasted. It's a family wasted. I don't know what the solution is, but something has to be done. Cheers, lads. Voted Irish Current Affairs Podcast of the Year. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. Lisa Marie, you're on Opinions Matter. How are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, Good, thanks, Lisa Marie. Now, uh, we've been hearing some horror stories of uh, what mothers, well, it's mothers that we've been talking to, although it is whole families that are affected by this, are are living through with this. What did you want to say? To be honest, I'm a bit nervous um, and it's, it's upsetting, to be honest. Um, I suppose I'm trying to cover, there's a lot more to autism than just the violent part, I suppose, which is where... No, of course. And, uh, uh, yes, and not, uh, not every child with autism is violent. Yeah, correct. Um, I'm only starting at the mental health stages with my son and the outbursts and the, the anger and, you know, the starting to come up into my face and... You know, things like that. But I have I have three children here in the house with autism. My twins will be four in December and they're severely autistic and nonverbal. Um then I have my son who just turned twelve in August. He has autism ODD dyspraxia. Um like I suppose I don't even know where to start. Um, for instance, I've been ringing his team for the past seven weeks trying to get somebody to contact me. I haven't had a psychologist in the house in five and a half years. Um, I'm sick of the school ringing me all the time. You know, he's he's starting to be horrible to kids up there. He's refusing to do the work. Um, You know, he's banging doors and threatening to climb out windows and run down to the house. They're saying that we're trying so hard to work with him, but He's just uncooperative. And then when I have to bring him home, he's banging doors, he's calling me names. He makes me feel very guilty because he tells me he hates me because I make him go to school and put him in that situation. He has no friends. He does not mix with any kids. He thinks everybody hates him and is out to get him. So he has this barrier up that he feels that he has to constantly defend himself all the time. Um, like the other day we were in town and he had a 14-year-old sister. He had her in a headlock outside Aldi the other day on the ground. And I had my twins in the trolley and, you know, trying to pull him and her apart while everybody just stands around, you know, and they watch and they stare and they judge. And, you know, I've gone past that stage now of having to explain myself to people anything about my children. Um, and then to separate them out and she's got scratches and he's got masks because she's obviously trying to defend herself and then having to put up with the language in the car and 
like I, I keep ringing and ringing and ringing to just see is there anybody that can help us with the schools to the point now that I may have to take them out of school, which means that what am I supposed to do? Where do I go? Where do I put them? What do I do? And then I have my twin girls who are four. Um, they're nonverbal. You know, I go around all day cleaning poo off the walls, pee all over the floor. They can't speak. They bite me. They pinch me. They pull my hair. Um, they go to bed. They get up at three or four o'clock in the morning, just screaming, pacing the floors at night, smashing things. And you go to bed tired and you wake up tired. And you just feel so isolated. You know, you just, you've nowhere to turn. And every day this letterbox goes with these brown envelopes where it's do this OT, try this sensory, try doing this. Try. You're that child, parent, nurse, therapist. You're everything. Because there's nobody out there to, to come into our lives and, and, and help us with these kids. We have nowhere to turn. But if we give up, who's going to look after our children? Who's going to help and support the kids? Well, who's helping and supporting us? But as as with our as with our previous callers, Lisa Marie, you're uh, you're long since past being at the end of your tether. Um, you are really struggling, and I can hear I can hear it in your voice as you're talking to me, yeah. Lisa Marie. And you're I mean, this is only a podcast, and I could put calls onto this podcast for the rest of the day as we uh, are being contacted by people. That's how big a problem this is, and the lack of support for parents like yourself. You know, like I'm separated from his dad a long time and he's moved on and, you know, he's after having a baby himself. It's at the point now that he's not going for visitations out to his dad because they have concerns over his outbursts over there. His dad denied for a long time there was anything even wrong with him. And now he's saying that he's, he's not well, you know, and that he has this problem and that problem. And then because they have a baby over there, you know, when he's not out there at the weekends, you know, it's fine to leave him here with me. But I have two, um, I have three kids here in the house, but I have two small young kids as well. And, it's, you know, I don't get a break. I don't get any respite. Um, I don't I don't get anything. I've only just got my girls for, into school this year because there was no availability in any of the units to, to put them into. Um, and, you know, I go to bed tired, I wake up tired. You know, I, I wash the walls down at night, I wash the floors, I turn around, they're trying to get out the windows. They're biting each other, they're smearing shit all over my walls, they're peeing and rubbing the peel into my couches, you know, constant clothes, they leave bite marks all over me, they can't speak, so they're frustrated. Um, you know, they don't sleep, we go to town, they're covering their ears screaming, people are staring at me, shaking their heads, judging, judging my life. But you, you don't know what, what my life is because you're looking on the outside in. And, and that's the problem, this, you know, this, this is the problem now is that until you've lived this life, you really, really don't have an understanding. My friends don't even invite me to go anywhere anymore because they know that I'm not going to go. Because I don't have that option of just getting up and going and seeing my friends, or you know, and, and, and as we said, uh, as we said, the first three callers on this podcast today telling almost identical stories of the struggle of uh, coping with the lack of support for uh, children and families of of children with um, different. 
conditions on the spectrum. It is scary, uh, Lisa Marie, to listen to all of you uh, tell your stories. And I really appreciate you uh, sharing your story with us. I have a couple more calls I want to squeeze in. And by the way, I hope that all of you who are listening to this podcast share this podcast onto your own social media platforms because this conversation needs to be had until help is made available to uh, the thousands of parents that are struggling, like the three that we have spoken to uh, today. Radka. Hi, guys. Uh, great topic. Sorry, I cannot come on uh, at work now, but um, I just see this topic and it's very interesting because I work with um, two brothers who has autism and um, um, they're only young. They're only nine and six. And I can already see um, how difficult they are getting um, much more stronger, vocal, um, aggressive. And I can see what the parents going through. So, yeah, it's a definitely tough one. Um, I feel sorry for them. But maybe they could do something, change their medication or... I don't know. I It's it's very, very, very tough one. But um, one thing I know that every time I come back from work, um, I pinch myself how blessed I am with my son and that he's healthy and has no issues, thank God. But, yeah, tough one. Um, wishing the lady best of luck. Bye. Tracy, you're on Opinions Matter. How are you, Tracy? Hi, not too bad. Good, Tracy. You've been listening to... The horrific stories oh, yeah, that yeah, we've, we've yeah. been hearing. What did you want to say? Mine's no better. I'm like literally in the same situation as those ladies. Like the level of fighting you have to do, it's just unreal. It's shocking. They're like the forgotten kids. It's horrible. Like I had to video my daughter having meltdowns, pulling her hair out, fighting herself just so I could get help. And and the lady that we spoke to at the very start of this, Audrey, has done newspaper and radio and podcast interviews just so that she can get help. Yeah, yeah. I had to, like, half her head was all, she pulled out half her hair. I had to put two creams on her hand every day because she bites her hand to an extreme that I had to put steroid cream on her. She slapped her face. Like, she's only seven, so it scares me to think that when she gets older and the hormones kick in, what will happen? At what age she is she? Any, she's seven. She's seven. She's seven. She was diagnosed when she was two and eight months. And I went private because I knew I needed to do something like early intervention. My arse, they do nothing for you. So I went private. I got her diagnosed in 2020. It was during lockdown. I had another, um, it's called the Cognitive Developmental Assessment done. And that's when they said she had an intellectual disability as well. She has sensory issues. It's not just autism. Like autism is, it's a wide range of different things like and then I got an Aon assessment done, which was done through the HSE, which I went through the process of filling out the form and it's just a load of crap. They leave you waiting. So I had to get a solicitor to go to court, go into the court and get it done. So the court, the judge ordered it to be done within eight weeks. And it was done by my own disability team. And then they told me she had a severe intellectual disability. Now that you're, you're the second person that I've heard say that you were forced to go to court to get help for your child. Yeah, I had to take videos of her having a meltdown. Like, I had to stand there with my phone and take a video of my child slapping her face, biting herself, pulling her hair out. I had to send them pictures of everything just so I could get someone just to look, just to see me. And then I had to go to a solicitor and get a solicitor to go into the, I think it's the circuit court, and he went in, pleaded my case about the Aon, and then he gave me a telephone call. He went on the 23rd of June. I got a phone call two days later off the assessment of the need office and my own disability team done it and it was done within eight weeks. 
So I have a service statement now. The service statement basically tells you what your child needs. So my child needs psychology for our mood and behaviours. She needs occupational therapy. Like my daughter's still in pull-up. She eats with her hands. She can't hold a spoon. She doesn't speak. She's non-verbal. She just babbles. She has serious meltdowns. So I don't know even after going to court whether I'm going to get any. This is how bad this country is like. What is the answer? What is the future for you, uh, Tracy? If you I don't, don't know, get... I try not to. I try not to think of what she's going to be like when the hormones kick in. I just, I don't know. I take every day as it comes. And I'm sure I'm hearing isolated. I'm sure hearing stories from Sarah and Debbie has you even more concerned. Yeah, like I'm mentally and physically drained. Like, like even during the summer, it was just I can't even think about the summer anymore. Like I just kind of block it out of my head now at this stage. There is times when I say for a second, I just sit down and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And then I say to myself, No, I can. She's my daughter. I love her. I'll fight till the end. I have to say, there's loads, uh, uh, there's, there's loads of Facebook pages, there's loads of pages and loads of advocate groups, and all. Mm. they're all brilliant and everything. There is a big community out there that a lot of people probably wouldn't know about. And 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 I'm glad we were able to highlight even one of those pages uh, earlier on. Yeah. In fact, Tracy, yeah. can I just say when this uh, podcast goes up, or it's up already, if you're listening to this now, um, make sure you go onto our Facebook page and tag these groups in it so that. Other parents can I will, hear, of the, course. Yeah, parents can hear these stories because yeah. parents uh, who have children with autism need to know that they're not alone. That other parents, I think, it, yeah, but get, I think that adds, that's adding to the frustration that there are so well, many yeah. parents in this situation yeah. that aren't yeah. getting uh, the help that uh, that they uh, that they and their child uh, need and deserve. Tra- and absolutely, and deserve. Tracy, I really appreciate you uh, talking to us. I want to squeeze in one final uh, message today from Sinead. <laughs> Hi guys, a great topic today. I'm just a parent listening and it's it's uh, horrific and those women, my hat's off to them. That's our heartbreaking to listen to. I'm a parent that's on the other side, I suppose. Like my, my child's neurotypical, but he was going to a childcare environment when he was about five and there was another boy there and they were friends, but my boy was um, coming home with regular injuries and eventually, like I understand with kids, like there's a bit of rough and tumble, but it eventually got so bad he had, um, he had a really bad bruising so I had a word with the um, the manager just to kind of find out what was going on and it turned out you know the boy was um, on the spectrum there was no formal diagnosis for him but he was extremely violent and he ended up being excluded as a result it was my boy getting the kind of brunt of the, um, the violence but I still think about that little boy I mean I was obviously very understanding I wasn't complaining I was more just asking what was going on but I still think about him now and I I just it's heartbreaking to listen to what those parents are going through it really is I have to say and I I, I know this is a problem in this state and uh, we've over the years spoken about uh, the lack of services for parents with uh, autistic children but even on on this one episode of this podcast to hear those powerful stories um, it it kind of brings shame on the state that 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 help isn't available and to parents like myself who are very very lucky and I never take it for granted to parents like myself who have children who don't have any of these uh, issues or conditions um, stop moaning about the little problems in your life absolutely stop moaning if you know I was moaning last night because my daughter wouldn't eat uh, her bowl of pasta 
yeah, move pale, on. pale in comparison Absolutely. to what those parents are going through. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this latest Opinions Matter podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit subscribe, follow, click on the little bell icon on Spotify, and that way you'll receive a notification. And please share this episode onto your own social media so that others can uh, hear what we talked about today. Thank you for listening. I'm Adrian. He's Jeremy. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>